0: I think being in the field of medicine, there's always advancements and learning to be adaptable and being open to that learning Um, and new technologies is so important if you're going to go into that field of, of medicine in general.
1: Welcome to Insider Career Conversations. I'm your host, Sylvia Juarez Magana. As a higher ed advocate, it became clear to me that not everyone is interested in a traditional degree path. As I started to talk to colleagues, like my co-host Brenda Castellanos Nash, I learned that there are careers that do not need an extended education path, like a traditional four-year degree from a university. And equally important, these careers are vital for their fields. On this show, we will explore unique careers within several different fields. We will discuss schooling, licensing, a typical day, and what it takes to make it in the field. This season, we are covering allied health with Brenda and her colleagues.
2: Hey, Brenda, how's it going? Hi. For those that are listening, I actually wanted to give a quick reminder about what allied health is. Um, So allied health is a health profession distinct from nursing and medicine. And what I mean by that is that basically when you go to the doctor's office, you know, you usually interact directly with the nurse or the doctor. However, depending on what's going on with you and why you're at the doctor's office, the doctor may order an x-ray, right? So that person who's taking that x-ray is an allied health professional. So those of you who don't know what that is, that's a good little quick little definition just to remind you.
1: Thanks, Brenda. I always appreciate you bringing your expertise to the conversation. Today, we're covering what a polysonographer's technologist does and how to
2: prepare for it. Can you tell us a little bit about that profession, Brenda? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so a polysomnography technologist conducts sleep studies, they, or sleep study tests, and they help diagnose sleep abnormalities. However, I think that today's guest would be the best person to tell us exactly what a polysomnography technologist does. And so with that, I'd like to introduce our guest today, Courtney.
0: Hi, good morning. How are you guys?
2: Great. Thanks for joining us, Courtney. So if you could please just tell us a little bit about what exactly a polysomnography technologist does, that'd be great.
0: Sure, yeah. Polysomnography, as you greatly defined, is part of the allied health profession. Polysomnography, by definition, is the study and the diagnosis and treatment of sleep disorders. Um, There's various different sleep disorders that um, polysomnography can address. It's a comprehensive test, um, and a polysomnographic technologist is the professional, the clinician running the test, collecting all of the data, the information, analyzing the data, preparing it for the physician to review and make a diagnosis and outcome. Also, during the polysomnography or the sleep study, the technologist is identifying whether or not the patient needs to be placed on treatment. So a lot of on-the-fly decision-making needed and critical thinking needed by the technician or technologist performing the test.
1: Wow, Courtney, that's that sounds interesting because I never really thought about sleep as a science, I guess, as you're describing. Taking it back just a little bit and you prepared for this degree, did you have a, a particular preparation aside from a high school diploma or GED for this background?
0: Yes, I always had a desire and an affinity towards health sciences. Um, In high school, I participated in the ROP program with athletic training where we did stretching and taping and athletic injury. And then I went into kinesiology in college and studied anatomy and physiology and biophysics and biology. And so I had, um, I would say, a good foundation. The way that I entered the field of polysomnography was through on-the-job training, actually. I didn't go to a structured, accredited uh, polysomnography program like what they have in Orange Coast College here in Costa Mesa, California. Um, I was trained on the job through a university-based sleep center that allowed me to get my hours, my education, and apply to sit for the registry exam. So Courtney, just a quick follow-up with that. My understanding is that now
1: there is an actual program that you go through for polysonography, correct?
0: That is correct. And that would be what I would recommend to all of your listeners is to look for these accredited structured programs for polysonography or really any allied health profession because that will set you apart from other applicants that have done um, learning on the job, even though I I'm very proud of learning on the job and the training that I received, Um, having that additional degree through your allied health profession sets you apart and above other applicants. The Board of Registered Polysomnographic Technologists, or also known as the BRPT, has five different pathways to become a registered polysomnographic technologist, which include on-the-job training still. Um, It's not as prevalent because there are programs now and we've found the value of having technologists go through a structured program versus some of these more independent labs that are running on the job training programs. It's not as comprehensive of training for the techs.
1: So, to become registered, um, I understand that the exam covers a variety of topics like sleep medicine, testing, and therapies. How long is that exam, and how often do you have to take it as a continued education? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yes, I believe the, the exam is 180 minutes, and you take it once. Um, once you sit for it and you pass it, um, you're registered. You do as a technologist in order to maintain your credential need to complete at least fifty continuing education credits in sleep medicine every five years to re re register, recertify your credential.
2: Wow. So it sounds like it's a it's intense schooling but not like overwhelming. So it sounds like it's very manageable. Would you say that that's correct? Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't go through the program myself, so I can't speak to how rigorous the program is. But working with students and speaking with students that have gone through the program because I've uh, taken on internships at the hospitals that I've led the sleep programs at, they've said that it's rigorous because you you do have daytime classes and um, they also place you into clinical settings, which is usually overnight shifts occasional day shifts, but most people, as we know, sleep overnight. So most of the training and most of the positions that are available would be night shift.
2: What is a typical day for Courtney?
0: It's a little bit different now because I'm in management, but um, as, as a sleep technologist for Courtney, it was coming in and reviewing your patient records, preparing their Sensors, all the sensors that you need. Um, we do a monitoring of brain waves, um, eye movements, chin movements, uh, breathing, and like airflow coming in and out of your mouth and your nose, respiratory effort, monitoring limb movements, meaning legs and arms, snores, because we're looking at so many different facets of sleep that can impact someone's health and well being. It's a very comprehensive type. So getting all of those sensors prepared and ready, um, educating the patient, speaking with the patient about the sensors that you're putting on, what the night will look like, also kind of introducing them to sleep disorders if they haven't already been introduced to those sleep disorders. And then once the patient's in bed, you're monitoring the data all night long in real time. It's collecting and you're reviewing EEG, which I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with EEG, but it's basically monitoring of the brain waves. Your brain has different frequencies depending on if you're awake or if you're asleep or if you're dreaming. And the technologist is aware of the different frequencies that go with those various stages of wake and sleep. So, sleep staging is part of the sleep technologist's job, as well as recognizing when the patient's awake and making all of those notes in the record for the provider and sleep physician to read. They're also monitoring EKG. That was something that really fascinates me is uh, the heart as well and how how sleep disorders impact your cardiovascular health. And when I was a technologist, uh, just starting out fresh, I wanted to learn more about just the heart because so many of the patients would have heart conditions as well. And I did additional training to get my certification in basic arrhythmia recognition and treatment. And so that's another option for technologists once they're in the field to expand their knowledge is to get additional training and certifications. And then also during the night when you're running the the sleep studies, the sleep tech recognizes if we need to intervene with any sort of treatment. Usually that would be for sleep apnea, which is basically... When your airway for obstructive sleep apnea, your airway would close and you would have a duration of time where you're you're not having any air exchange between your your lungs and through your nose and your mouth. It's your body's still trying to breathe, but it's basically like pinched off in your throat. And so what the technician or technologist does is they go into the room and they initiate uh, PAP therapy, which is a treatment or sleep apnea, which is just one of the many types of sleep disorders, but probably one of the most common. You hear about these different
1: sleeping patterns now, right? Because of just different advances and exposure that we have. So thank you for sharing that, uh, Courtney, and giving us a little bit of feedback from it. I guess my question goes into the fact that you've mentioned that you've gone into management now based on the education you had. How did that step Was it an easy path for you? Was it based on your networking, your hustle? I know a lot of it has to do with your job performance, but can you tell a listener that's getting started and is interested in some upward mobility, how that looks like within your field?
0: Yeah, I like that word hustle. I never really thought of it as a hustle, but it's definitely a hustle. When I started out, I was the youngest person in the sleep center, so I felt like I had the most to, to prove and like dedication wise and like ability to learn and like, you know, just being flexible and learning on the fly. I've always craved more education, more knowledge um, in sleep medicine, outside of sleep medicine. My first job as a sleep tech, I took on training other sleep techs. I took on doing the schedule and supply management. And I think that that. Um, it was rewarding to me. And uh, my goal was never, you know, I want to be a supervisor one day or manager one day, but just wanting to learn more. I think being in the field of medicine, there's always advancements and learning to be adaptable and being open to that learning um, and new technologies is so important if you're going to go into that field of, of medicine in general. So, for me, it was always about learning more, which is great because sleep medicine has grown so much just since when I started. And that's allowed me to keep up on the newer technologies and be kind of like a resource and a little bit of like a go-to person um, in each center that I was at, which um, I guess is recognized from upper management that, you know, you're a go-getter or you... uh, You're staying up on the technologies and you're bringing that information to the center, which makes you also valuable. Um, As far as my education, I did complete my bachelor's in kinesiology. And then um, I have always been interested in academic. I started in an academic sleep center, so I wanted to continue that and be more research-based. And public health, math, I ended up getting a master's in public health because um, it has to do with research and it has to do with organization and policy and procedures and assessing the population health and how we can help, you know, the population just in sleep and, and, uh, and wellness. So um, I ended up completing my master's in, in public health. Two years ago, uh, last week, I defended my thesis. So I got, I'm a, I can't believe it's already been two years. Yeah. That is
1: amazing. Congratulations, Courtney. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's amazing. Thank you. Just going back really quickly to the typical polysonographist, um, is that person, on an average, uh, the salary, not without the education that you have, because I know you have a bachelor's in kinesiology, now your master's, um, is around $40,000 depending on the state. Would any substantial salary expect that the person be licensed or registered in the state that they live in?
0: I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, the state of California does have licensure for polysomnographic technologists. Other states, don't. So it just, like you said, depends on the state that you're living in. I love that California has a licensure. I do wish that they policed it a little bit better, um, but it is still new and a a little bit in its infancy. So hopefully as it grows and and sleep medicine continues to grow, that will also improve. But in the state of California, I would say the salary range is probably about $65,000 as a median. And likely higher if you're working at a larger um, institution, like a hospital-based or academic institution.
2: What are the fees involved with renewing and uh, initially getting your license? Do
0: you have an idea or just a rough idea? I know you may not have like
2: an exact number.
0: I want to say the initial for the state licensing was around 300, but this was years ago. It's, it's probably changed to renew. It's a 150. Um, And then to renew the RPSGT every five years is want to say one hundred and fifty. Also,
2: so it sounds like roughly just under possibly five hundred dollars in terms of fees for licensures and RPSGTS and VRPTs
0: mm-hmm. and so forth. Right. The RPSGT, the initial exam, I believe, is four hundred and fifty, and then if you're doing like on if you didn't go through a an academic program accredited program and you did on the job training you also would need to complete a self-study star program which is like the A step module and A step I believe A step stands for accredited sleep technologist education program and it's a self-study program on your own time complete it within your own time frame unless you've been given a time frame by your employer but it's about twenty-six modules, twenty bucks each, and that is one of the pathways in addition to on-the-job training that you can sit for the RPSGT exam. So that would be around five hundred and twenty dollars. And then the exam would be four fifty, and then the licensure is three hundred. So that that adds up, but, you know, it's all worth it. And you're the gold standard, basically, in sleep medicine, having your RPSGT.
2: Okay, so it's not too overwhelming. And I know traditionally, um, you touched on a local community college here in uh, Costa Mesa, California. Um, I believe those fees... It's just a typical uh, per unit fee for the program. So it's not necessarily an absorbent amount of money that you may potentially pay outside of a non-accredited institution. So for our listeners out there, I think back when I looked, I'm not sure how much the units are. and Maybe Sylvia, you can touch on this, but I believe a, a unit was like $13. I don't know if that's still the case or not. Yeah, it's so been a minute for you, Brenda. It's about $46.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: okay, so it's been a minute. Okay, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's so and
1: then, Yes, and that's um, obviously with the programs that we're referring to, they may have a different type of pricing depending on the community college, just because it's considered a path. So it may be charged per year, similar to other extended degrees.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the current um, program on their website, their approximate cost is $3,500 for the program. And I don't think that includes like the prerequisites that are required or the general education units. The program length is four semesters, so two years. And then at the end of the program, you would get your associate's degree.
2: Yeah, see, and that's actually very reasonable. I think for our listeners out there, I think this is extremely doable. And, you know, talking to you, picking your brain actually is super helpful. And especially know that there's five different pathways. So you're not just stuck to one pathway. So there's options out there. If we can talk a little bit about for someone who's starting, what would you say the job outlook would be? You know, someone who's thinking about pursuing this field, do you think they'd have a you know, a likelihood of getting placed right after they finish a program of whatever different pathway they choose?
0: I would say yes. Um, right now we are actually experiencing a bit of a shortage. So job placement out of school as a new graduate um, is, I would say, a higher likelihood when going through a program because you do have clinical sites and you are working in those sites with the technologists there and learning from them and they get kind of an on-the-job interview with you. So if you do really well during your rotation and your internship, it's likely that they would offer you a job either as a new trainee or as a new tech or a new grad is what some of the positions are called. That's a great opportunity through the program to see different sleep centers and different capacities and how they work. You can be in a hospital-based sleep center, which would run differently than an independent testing facility that's in the community, community, not associated with a medical group or a hospital, um, which would run differently from an academic-based, research-based sleep center in the community as well. So, uh, that kind of roundness that you get from the placements from the program is really important and helps you to get placed, um, because you're in different environments and you can kind of see what you enjoy, um, what is interesting to you. And then also do kind of like on the job interview and, you know, put your best foot forward and um, hope to get placed that way. I've hired a number of new students, new grads that had um, completed their internship and clinical hours at my labs. You know, it's a great opportunity to get really good fresh techs as well, you know, which is a benefit versus someone like me who might who has, you know, 15 years of experience and I have kind of my habits. <laughs> so um, new techs, new grads don't have any of those um maybe what can be considered bad habits or the need for retraining.
1: (laughs) You just mentioned that you are are one that could hire an individual. What do you think as someone that is finishing up a degree and they're trying to represent themselves, what are some of the things that stand out in particular in healthcare? Because I know that some people may be making a move from one field into healthcare how would one sell yourself, especially because you've had such a unique path yourself? How do you feel someone could represent their experience or whether what they're willing to do to be able to get hired from a university?
0: Great question. the The types of qualities that w- we really look for when hiring an individual is their attitude. You know, how do they show up to work? Are there are their clothes clean? Are they, you know, put together? Are they um, on time? Do they have a, a good positive attitude? Are they open and willing to learn these new technologies or try things a different way? How do they interact with patients and the patient's caregivers? Because we, we work with very old patients that have a caregiver that come in and they're very engaged in their care. And um, you have to balance that dynamic. The same on the opposite end with very young, with pediatrics and the parents. It's the individual's um, ability to be compassionate and empathetic and understanding and accommodating and willing to do whatever it needs to make the patient comfortable, to help them to understand their health, their ability to improve their own health, like empowering the patient as well. And I think if you're switching careers and you're you're like, I want to go into sleep medicine, like it sounds fascinating. Great. Like, hit me up. I'm on LinkedIn. Like, let's chat. Um, But you can sign up for the A-step. You can do one or the first five modules or 20 bucks each and go through that on your self-paced and see if it interests you. You get their introduction, you get kind of what Polysomography is what a sleep tech does, the knowledge base that is required. When you're switching from another career, take what you've learned in your other roles. If you were um, a server, that customer service accommodating, you know, Johnny on the spot, you know, having to run around and juggle multiple requests and tasks, that would benefit you in healthcare as well, because there's a lot going on, there's a lot of different priorities that are competing, and you have to identify the one with the biggest impact. Uh, The same thing if you're working in IT, you know, this is a very technical field. And we have computers that we're using all day long with various technologies that are integrating in different ways. And so taking that knowledge and applying it to this new profession is only going to benefit you. So don't leave everything that you've that you've already learned at the door behind you, bring it forward and use it to improve your next career and profession.
1: Do do you have something else to add to that?
0: I think sleep medicine is, it's still new. People are still learning the impacts of sleep on your long-term health outcomes. They're doing a lot of research right now on, on sleep and how, um, Fragmented sleep, meaning that you're not getting consolidated sleep, you have a lot of different arousals or movements and it impacts your memory and your cognition and maybe in- increases your markers for dementia or memory issues later in life. Um, also, with untreated sleep apnea, they're looking at the stress of this untreated sleep apnea on your cardiovascular system. So you're increasing your risk of stroke, heart disease, heart, heart attack. And then um, also the circadian rhythm disorders with jet lag or night sh- or shift workers like sleep techs who work night shift, um, you're working opposite of what your internal circadian rhythm is, which is your internal natural biological clock for wake and sleep. So you can have a disorder of wake and sleep, which is also impacting your overall health and one of the things that really excites me being that I got my de- my bachelor's degree in kinesiology and I worked with athletes um, is this new research that's coming out with sleep and athletes, um, whether it be collegiate or professional athletes. Um, they're finding that optimizing game schedules and um, optimizing the, the times in between travel. So if you have a team traveling from the West coast to the East coast and, or vice versa, that jet lag that now you're throwing off your circadian, your natural circadian rhythm, those impact the athlete's ability significantly to, um, to perform. So their strength, their endurance, their accuracy, all of that is impacted by, um, these, this travel time and, and sleep. So I think that's really exciting. That would That's something that I'm really interested in getting involved with as well.
1: Well, thank you so much, Courtney, for letting us pick your brain on your profession. Brenda, thanks for partnering on this conversation. It's super interesting.
2: Yeah, thank you, Courtney. I learned so much. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talking to us and our listeners today because you gave us a wealth of information. So we appreciate you. Thank
0: you. Thank you, guys. This was awesome. I, I really appreciate the time to talk about sleep. And if anybody's interested and I'm on LinkedIn, you can find me, um, Courtney Heinrichs and connect and let's let's talk about sleep. I'm a sleep nerd. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, stay tuned for more insider career conversations that showcase career paths within the allied health sector. I appreciate you listening and I look forward to the next time.
0: Insider Career Conversations is a production of Juarez Consulting. For more information, you can visit JuarezConsultingInc.com. This episode was produced by Silvia Juarez Magaña, with production help and editing by Casmara Hall.